Bitcoin. Welcome to another POW market update. My name is Anson Leonard. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. How's it going? This is Ansel back with another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. We are going to go over market fundamentals, lots of price metrics, lots of uh, network metrics, all as many as I can find and throw into a show like this in a relatively short manner, give you guys a fire hose of information. And then I hit like a top maybe three to five news stories out there that I see for Bitcoin. Okay, well, let's get started on the prices. Bitstamp, 87.24. We've had a pretty nice little jump in price here, guys. And on the last show, I I didn't go back and listen to it, but I'm pretty sure I said there's lots of resistance overhead. I feel like the bottom was in and, uh, you know, it's going to be a slugfest going up. And we've seen that like $100 here. $200 $200 here, $100 here, just really slugging it out, going up. Now we kind of, we, we broke the 50 moving average on the daily. We've kind of run into some other levels that are providing resistance to the price. Uh, that 200 MA is up there at 97.37 right now. So that would be also another, that's another $1,000 above where we are. And that's going to provide its own resistance. Uh, so I, I do think we are uh, still slugging it out. We're not out of the woods yet. Everybody, it feels like to me on, on my Twitter feed and listening to some shows out there, some other media, everybody feels more bullish. To me, that's a little bit scary. I think there's there's probably going to be some sort of pullback again. One more pullback. Maybe test that breakout that we've, we've had. Um, because we did break out of the logarithmic trend line that was offering resistance at around 8400 and we did break that squarely so we'll see if we retest it that would be coming back down to 8500 which the price is coming down right now as i'm recording this a little bit um yeah i mean the price could i putting bids at like 78 to 7500 that wouldn't be a bad play probably uh, we'll see uh, if that trend line offers support now at this time. But like I said, this is kind of this weird um, area. We could just continue sideways and then eventually in uh, by the middle of next week, break out again and test that uh, 200 MA. Um, but this this is fairly bullish and not because of just price movement. Okay, this is bullish on the fundamentals. The fundamentals didn't have a recession like the price did. Okay, we've had almost, we've had a a quarter and a half of falling prices in Bitcoin. So I'm going to go ahead and call that a Bitcoin recession. But um, the fundamentals have not seen that. We'll talk about the difficulty here in a second. The hash power, the, the mining power on Bitcoin. None of that has seen any sort of recession levels pullback at all. So this is only the price and it's to be expected. Come on. We passed these levels back. This price we passed back at the end of November. So one month, it it took less than three weeks to go from where we are now to the all time high back in November, December. 
Okay. So we are, we could be three weeks away from all time high again. That that's, that's possible. I, I don't think so, but, um, we could be, that's how fast this thing moves. So yeah, this is totally within, um, logical range. And just remember those people that told you is going to go down to, uh, 1800. Okay. They don't, they might be technically competent on the charts, but they're not technically competent on the fundamentals. Okay. And world geopolitics that's pushing this because geopolitics in the world is also a fundamental for Bitcoin. And I touched on this in the last show that Bitcoin was in a kind of a, a lull in international geopolitical news at the time, right? Bitcoin loves financial crises. It loves uh, Cyprus and Greece and Italy and Spain and, and all the pigs, you know, in, in Europe. Uh, it loves the financial crises. And we've been, it's been kind of a little bit of a lull here in this type of financial crisis around the world, but it's picking up again. The dollar is diving. Um, it got bid yesterday, but, uh, the dollar's diving. The yield curve for us treasuries is super, super flat right now, which, uh, whenever it's inverted hit, there's a recession that follows in about six months time, which is a huge indicator for the market. Um, what else? Uh, there's trade wars happening and we'll start seeing the results in the banks. Okay. We'll start seeing the results in some of these companies and the markets, the stock U S stock market has been struggling. Uh, so we'll, we'll see these banking crises rear their ugly head again, for sure. And that's, that's a huge fundamental for Bitcoin. So I, I see that that news st- section of the fundamentals is building up and we could see that play a big role here in the coming weeks. So, all right, what else do we have? Okay. One Finney. So the price was 8724. Uh, one Finney is 87 cents. Then that is roughly the dollar denomination. And, uh, when this gets, when a Finney is $1, then the price of Bitcoin is $10,000. It could be because it's one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin. This is just a, uh, you know, it's that, uh, what, what did, uh, Richard Hart call it? Unit bias. Uh, this is to cure the unit bias, concentrating on a Finney versus a whole Bitcoin. Of course, you can concentrate on Satoshi. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the unit that we use, at least eventually, is going to be the Satoshi or the bit, which is 100 Satoshis. Mayor multiple is 0.89. This is, this is the price relative to the 200 MA. Um, and the stint that we're on right now is very long in Bitcoin history. There's been one other time that it's been under Bitcoin long or under the 200 day moving average longer than right now. And that was during the Bitcoin depression in uh, 2014, 2015. I, I don't think we're going back to that. We're too far along. And if it's kind of speeding up, I, I looked back at this particular thing that may or multiple back at that time. And we had a dip below and uh, a longer dip below. And then a final third dip below, I think back in 2014 and everything was really stretched out. Right. Uh, this time it seems we're having the same sort of pattern, but everything is speed sped up by, uh, you know, a hundred percent or even a hundred and 
50%. Everything's sped up. Uh, and, and if that's the case, then we are on our way at least to turning the corner on these prices, which is makes total sense to me. Remember the Mt. Gox thing, the 2014-15 Bitcoin Dark Ages, whatever. They, uh, they happened because Mt. Gox was 75% of the market. 75%. So that means multiple exchanges today would have to fail. Bitfin Binance, Bifinex, and um, Polo. If they all failed at the same time, it would still probably be less of a percentage of the market than Mt. Gox back then. And I don't mean just get hacked. I mean fail. Shut down for good overnight. Right? Um, so I, we're not going to see that again. This is a very predictable correction of course it's hard to see at the time where the top is you don't know the top could have been at uh, 15,000 or it could have been at 25 or it could have been at 40,000 really um, and but it did correspond with the end of the year that's a very important thing to remember for next time uh, and there's there's lots of things that happened in there with the ICO market and uh, altcoins and things but um, you know, no one can really call it top, but this is a very good pullback. Just yesterday, uh, 420, the price 420 in 2017 was $1,200, and we were at 8,500, you know, yesterday. So we're making really good progress. It's the the daily increase in Bitcoin price is still above half a percent a day. The Bitcoin price averages an increase. Of a half a percent a day. Let that sink in though. Because these scams that you hear about. Like all these lending scams and stuff. That the history of Bitcoin is is littered with. They always like offer 1% a day. And, and everyone always says. Oh that's too much. How can you do 1%? Bitcoin itself has offered half a percent a day returns. In dollar terms. That's huge. That's huge. And there's no reason for it to slow down because the fundamentals are getting stronger. So let's get into more of these fundamentals. Let's get into more prices here. The OKEX futures, this is a June contract, is 87.70. So it's about a $50 premium. All of the prices are premiums, at least all the Bitcoin traded prices. But the CME, which are cash settle futures uh, or dollar settle futures, those are actually at a discount. So the CME futures for April, that's the front month, is 85.55. And the June contract is 85.40. Now, the big story from CME or the top story from the CME futures is the open interest. That's the total amount of contracts outstanding out there. Um, that's That number has been increasing over the last month. I think from around 1,600 open contracts now or open interest. Now we're up to 2290, almost 2300 contracts open interest, which is about 11,450 Bitcoins because each contract is five Bitcoins. So that's in two, in one week, that's a 200 contract increase, you know, just in one week. BitMEX features are sitting on a small, a small uh, premium here. It's 8740, just a couple, uh, 10, 10 or 20 buck. Uh, premium uh, the September contract is twenty dollars above that at eighty seven sixty nine, so it's a good shape. I, I would like to see it larger. Obviously, but when this when this market turns around and and 
we're going to start seeing some $200, $500 premiums on the futures when it, when the sentiment really turns around. Um, this is good that the OKEX and the BitMEX futures curves are the right way now. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see the CME futures follow suit as well. They will also be uh, turning up. And if the, the volume on CME futures goes up a lot, that's hugely bullish for the price. Uh, I, in my opinion, because again, I'll, I'll say this again, and I want people to tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong on this, because I've been saying this theory for a long time. And if it's stupid, I want someone to call me out on it. But um, so the market makers going short is dumb. And Petter Fee, he's the guy from Interactive Brokers. He's really well known around the world of global finance. Um, he said it's it's dumb to go short Bitcoin, right? Because the losses are unlimited. So it was going to be mostly long interest. And his uh, his platform, Interactive Brokers, allows you to go long. They don't. I don't even think they allow you to go short at all, even still on the CME futures to trade that way. But these for every long, there has to be a short here, right? And uh, so someone has to take the short side. And if you are going to be a market maker and take the short side, you're going to buy Bitcoin to hedge. So a you have a, you take the short side of a contract, it's five Bitcoins, you're going to buy five Bitcoins to hedge that loss. If you're a market maker, because the market maker wants the fees. The more volume, the more fees. CME gets paid off the fees. So they will take the short side, buy the Bitcoin. Um, as the volume goes up, that's huge for Bitcoin. Because you have to hedge the shorts. Okay, anyways, um, let's go on to the next section here. Market size and transactions. So the fundamentals I break down into prices, which we just covered, market size and transactions, that's this section. Then I talk about security and mining that's coming up, development, lightning network, and things like that. Okay, so I break them down into logical groups. Um, here for the market size and transactions, we have a market cap of Bitcoin at $148 billion. It is expanding just like the price is going up. Uh, the market cap goes up. But this gives you like a relative size. And a lot of people are like, well, Bitcoin's market cap is only $100 billion. Uh, there's so much more money out there. I mean, it should be the gold market cap is like seven to eight trillion. Um, so the market size for gold. So Bitcoin could easily get up to a trillion. And if, if you're moving that market cap up, you have to make each unit worth more in Bitcoin, right? So a 10x increase in price would make the market cap go up 10x to about one and a half trillion, which is totally within the logical ballpark for the near future. And I'm not talking a week, I'm talking 12 months from now. That market cap could be one and a half trillion. It's just, there's so much room to grow that when you look at the market cap versus when you look at just the price per unit. The global Bitcoin market cap, that is all the altcoins and stuff, is uh, $375 billion. So that makes a maximalist price of 
the global market cap divided by outstanding Bitcoins is $22,000. That is now back to an all-time high. And during the run-up, that was always the stretch goal. Every time we had a little correction, we, we reached for that next maximum price because this is the Bitcoin space. This is not the blockchain space. When you hear somebody say uh, the blockchain space, they still believe in unicorns. This is not the blockchain space. There is one functional blockchain, and that is Bitcoin. Every other blockchain is, is a uh, chain of claims, right? Because they just claim that they're going to be able to do something in the future. Bitcoin does it now. It's the only functional blockchain. This is the Bitcoin space. All right. Um, On-chain transactions. Now, this number has gone up drastically. Uh, about 50% increase here. So um, in the last 24 hours on-chain, 1.4 million Bitcoins have moved. That's $12.5 billion worth of Bitcoin in the last 24 hours. Average transaction value on Bitcoin is uh, 6.5. 6.5 Bitcoins is the average value of a transaction. So that's about $57,000 as the average. And that includes the change. And I know this isn't a perfect metric, but um, this is also much, much higher. Um, I think it's almost a full Bitcoin higher uh, than it was on my last show. Now, that's the average transaction. So it's skewed for, you know, you might have a transaction that has a thousand Bitcoins in it, and that's going to skew the average. Uh, but the median transaction value is um, 0 0.065 Bitcoins, which is $566. The, av the median transaction value on Bitcoin is $566. That's pretty big. <laughs> it's not coffee, right? Um, even when we have all this block space and we have very low fees, very low mempool, it's not being used to buy coffee. And I said this during the run up and during all of the debate over the block size. I mean, especially since August when Bcash split off, there is no demand to buy coffee. The Bcashers, the people that are fighting for this to be used as a payment mechanism, a means of payment, which is not the same as medium of exchange, right? They're fighting to make it a means of payment. There is no demand. And we can see that on the amount of transactions on Bcash. They averaged under 100 transactions per block for most of their history. Now they're up to like 120 every pump in price that they've had. They just had another one recently. Um, every pump in price, there's more transactions because more people are sending stuff to exchanges, right? <laughs> but it's not transactional demand uh, or payment demand out there. Bitcoin's median transaction value is $566 even with 10 cent fees for a month. Or two months, however long we've had these low fees again. So it's just bonkers to say that there is payment demand out there for Bitcoin. I think most most Bitcoiners are holders, right? I, I'm, I would much rather spend my small depreciating fiat instead of my Bitcoin. All right, MVT. This is a stat that people are using out there. I'm not real big on it, but I'm going to keep it in here for the time being, just uh, so there might be a few listeners that want to hear this. The MVT is up slightly from 153 to 158. This is, they, they claim this is a PE ratio, but I, I don't buy it. It's just inverse uh, velocity, really. <clears throat> 
Okay, longs and shorts. This one matters big time, and this has got a lot more publicity. Even in the last few weeks since I've been, you know, I think this is like the sixth show maybe that I've talked about this specific metric. But even since I've been talking about it, a lot of people now have been mentioning it more and more. Um, the longs versus the shorts. Okay, and this is Bitfinex because this is the only one that publishes the numbers that I know of um, for this. But uh, here, they, it's not a one-to-one, right? If you want to go uh, long, uh, you can borrow dollars on their platform and go long. And if you want to go short, you can borrow Bitcoins and go short. Uh, so this is... This does show a general sentiment, longs versus shorts. And um, now this is the ratio between them is 1.2. Longs are at 29,000, shorts are at 24,100. Uh, I, I think this is a healthy area. Uh, I, I would say this is almost an equilibrium, maybe slightly above this. I, you know, I've just started following this metric. So, um, I mean, I've known about it for a long time, but I've used it, but I haven't um, put a lot of thought into it. And so it's it's been just recently that I've been uh, following it while evaluating it. <laughs> and um, I, I the let me see where the the 180 day moving average on this thing. So the six month moving average is at 1.6 still. And we're down at 1.2. That means there's lots of rooms, room for longs to get ahead of shorts. So there's a lot of room for shorts to close. Um, shorts were at all-time highs just recently, and a lot of them have have um, closed. They weren't liquidated because it, the, the price needed to move 30% to liquidate the shorts. Because on Bitfinex, it's, it's only a 3x margin. Uh, so the price would need to move 30%, and it didn't do that from when we saw the all-time high to a massive amount of closures of the shorts. It only moved like 10%. So these guys didn't get liquidated. They just hit their stops, and they closed. But I, I can see this, there's a lot of room for longs to be added here relative to shorts, and um, that will probably happen on a pull, another pullback in price. Okay? That'll probably happen with another pullback in price. That's one reason why I do think we're going to see another test of the support. We might see a test of the 50 moving average on the daily. That would be down to 8,200. I mean, I'm mentioning all these numbers, but it could go down to 8,200. I mean, like I said, bids, putting bids between 8,000 and 7,500 probably going probably gonna to do pretty good for you. So... Uh, but this is not financial advice. This is not trading advice. Uh, do, do your own research. Public OTC this is over-the-counter trading. Now, this is the kind of, uh, I'm going to throw a news story in here. So um, I didn't pull the number. It's, they're slightly down. Last last show, they were at 90, around 92 million in the last week. They're probably down to about 80 million this week. But there was a big news item here. Local Bitcoins is instituting KYC. And for a long time, this is big news because in a, a, for a long time, Hardcore Bitcoiners recommended local Bitcoins because of the lack of KYC, the peer-to-peer -peer aspect of it, right? You didn't have to sign up for Coinbase and give all this information out. You could go local Bitcoins and buy your stuff directly. Now they're requiring KYC on their platform, and this is pretty huge. So I'm going to do some research on this and find the best alternative out there right now. Um, 
There are some alternatives that are KYC that are smaller because you don't necessarily want to give your information to a honeypot, even though, I mean, you're still, you would still be giving your information to a, a smaller company, but, um, I think there is some advantage to at least spreading out where you're getting your Bitcoins from. And, uh, I'm going to go and, uh, research a couple of these other options. So now I can say for sure, BISC is a good one, BitSquare. Uh, so Google BitSquare, and I think it's BISC.network off the top of my head, but it's it's a program that you download onto your computer and you trade peer-to-peer. -peer. I mean, it's a peer-to-peer -peer order book. Um, it's really interesting, but look into BitSquare, and I'll have more recommendations for you in the future. Okay, let's go on to the next section. <laughs> let's go to security and blockchain. All right, so this is another big fundamental, the hash rate the hash rate on bitcoin the largest hash rate in the world on any network i mean the most secure network in the world it costs a billion dollars to attack this thing for a very minimal reward right the way bitcoin incentives are set up is that it costs more to act badly it costs more to attack than to defend and this has a lot to do with the security and difficulty and hash rate and all this stuff so um it the hash rate has just exploded over the last few days i did tweet this out on btc mrkts account uh, that's the show's account and um it looks like right now the next difficulty change is going to be around 10 percent five days away the last few changes here have been nine percent last time one percent and five percent and the one before that was also nine percent so we see some huge gains during this recession period, this recession period in Bitcoin. This tells me that there is no recession. It's not, it's just a price thing. The fundamentals are super, super strong. So uh, difficulty is expected to go up 10 full percent at the next difficulty adjustment in five days. Bitcoin mining profitability is about 56 cents per terahash per day. The blockchain size is 194 gigabytes. Very manageable, especially as the broadband speeds are going up, the, the internet speeds are going up. That's, that's very manageable. Um, mempool size. Oh, I didn't even check that. Let me bring that up. So we did have a, a, a spike in the mempool, which I talked about on the last show, where, you know, we went up to, we went all the way up to 40 megabytes in size for the mempool. Very quick spike. That kind of corresponded roughly with the bottom, I believe. Let me look at the chart here. Um, no, that would be, it corresponded right before the pump. Or right after the pump, right after the pump. So the pump happened on the 12th, and then the spike in um, mempool happened on the 14th. And it's it's been very low since then. Right now we're sitting at about uh, right around 5 megabytes and like I said, the average fee is down there around 14 cents right now. So nothing, oh, sorry, 17 cents. Nothing to report on that. Still very cheap transactions. All right, let's, let's do development. This is going to be really fast. So development is, uh, you know, Bitcoin is not stagnant. It is the most dynamic crypto out there. It's the most dynamic project in the world for this crypto stuff 
And everyone will tell you, oh, it's the governance is so messed up, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's just a small part of it because that's a consensus rule change. But there's lots more than, that goes into creating and maintaining a piece of software like this. And um, Bitcoin, it, they, Bitcoin developers, the, the contributors to the code, which is in the hundreds of people, and there's new people all the time that are um, having their first pull requests merged into Bitcoin all the time. Um, in the last seven days, we've had 24 merged pull requests and 19 closed issues. This, this takes a lot of work to do this type of stuff, right? Maintain the code and make it robust in every aspect. It's the only, I mean, hands down, no other project can compare to what Bitcoin does. All right. So that's, <laughs> that was short development. Let's go on to lightning. <coughs> Capacity has increased another three Bitcoins from the last show is 12.7. Now we're at 15.8 Bitcoins on the lightning network. Channels have gone up from 4,700 now to 5,400 channels. And nodes have increased about 100 from 1,500 to 1,600. The number of channels per node, which is a big metric in my eyes, is still increasing. Now we're at 3.25 channels per node. We want to see that higher. Because the higher that is, um, you know, the more routes we can find. And the, the more connected everybody is, the less often you feel the need to um, close the channel right? There's going to be more tricks on how to keep your channels balanced and things. So uh, this channels per node is very important and it keeps increasing 3.25. But that's all I have for lightning. Let's go on to Google Trends, another small section here. Maybe I could call this the <laughs> miscellaneous section. That might be, that might work. So Google Trends, you know, a lot of people talk about Google search results and, and compare this to the price chart. Um, and we are down. Obviously, we're showing this, this decrease in price. Uh, is being reflected in the amount of Google searches because Bitcoin is a gifting good or a, a Veblen good where the demand goes up as the price goes up and the demand goes down as the price goes down. It's really weird that way. There's no other uh, type of um, good that's like that. Like think about um, you want to uh, any sort of product that you want to buy, you would expect that the demand would go up as the price went down, right? Because you consume that. It's a consumer demand. Um, Bitcoin is not demanded for consumption. Bitcoin is demanded for value to be used as money. So it actually is reverse that. The, the demand goes up as the price goes up. Anyway, so <laughs> Google Trends, they rank it out of 100. And uh, in the last 12 months, we are at 14 out of 100. 100 being the highest search week. Um, and so, yeah, we're down at 14, which is steady. I think it was 15 last week. So, um, it's not quite reflecting the price bump here, but we'll see what it does the next time. 30 days. We're up slightly. Um, again, a hundred is the top, um, day out of the last 30 days and we are at 63. So that's slightly above where we were on the last show. Generally flat. Like I said on this. I have another indicator that I'm going to mention here is my Twitter follower indicator. So I, I have a modest following on Twitter, 15,000 um, for it was, it jumped up. It was following the price relatively over the last couple of years. And then it kind of 
flatlined at 15,000 for four or five months now. And I've just seen a recent uptick up to 16,000. So I think that that is a somewhat of a good indicator that people are coming into the space, right? So there's that. Okay, news items. I have a few news items. We'll see if I can get through these here before my kids get too loud. <laughs> um, all right, so Ethereum. The Ethereum is in deep, deep shit, people. They have, they're completely centralized. There's some things leaking out. Nathaniel Popper has started leaking these things about private meetings with um, investors, like Andreessen Horowitz was meeting with SEC to discuss this stuff. And he, so. Nathaniel Popper was leaking some of this, um, that the SEC is on the fence about listing or considering Ethereum a security. And uh, that's real. Like, that's that's hardcore because uh, Ethereum is centralized around the Ethereum Foundation, around Vitalik, around these, these big early holders of Ethereum. And those people can get arrested. They can get taken down. They can get a cease and desist. So... Um, this is a big deal for Ethereum, in my opinion, and I don't like it. I, I I tweeted out, I don't like to see government goons interfering with Ethereum, but this is common sense, people. Ethereum is centralized, and if something is centralized and it's disruptive, it's going to get taken down. It's going to be put in its place. You know, if it, it looks like a nail now. And so what is the government going to do? They're going to fucking hammer it. And this is just happening right with this new parody bailout situation that's coming up right and ethereum this is a weird synergy of things happening here is um the they can't not they they can't show leadership the the ethereum devs of italic they they have a weird position where they can't show leadership on this topic right at this moment because the sec is looking at them to see if they're centralized and if they're security so they've had this voting to see if they people support bailing out the parity wallet and that was where these funds are locked hundred hundred thousand plus uh ethereum are locked in this this smart contract that fucked up there's a bug in it and the voting is showing yes they want to bail out parity again they want to do a hard fork that's not good i mean if vitalik too is he said that he's against that right it's supposed to be immutable and code is law and yada 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 even though when the Dow messed up, he was all for bailing the Dow out because the insiders lost money. But this time is just other people. Um, and so my question to him on Twitter was to say, look, if you don't agree with this, you're going to continue running the original code, right? Why would you go on the new chain if you don't agree with it? <laughs> of course, he didn't respond. I mean, that's a, no one's in charge of what software you run. See, that's decentralized. That's decentralized consensus. You run your own code on your node. You you make the decisions. So Vitalik, if he's not in charge here, and this is he wants to be decentralized, he needs to stay on the original chain. The foundation needs to stay on the original chain, but they can't do that either because that then no one would switch and they would see that it's centralized. They're in a big big pickle here. Um, this this is just bad for Ethereum all around, and um, I, they obviously are security. This is not a question in my mind. They, they are a security. Um, so we'll see how this ends up. Okay, next story we have WikiLeaks was shut. Well, WikiLeaks uh, donations were shut down by Coinbase. I guess they were using Coinbase 
for some reason maybe to cash out i don't know exactly what but their wikileaks account was shut down by coinbase and this is interesting full circle for me because um the the point that i got in interested in bitcoin my interest was spiked was when bitcoin saved wikileaks back when the credit card and the donation paypal and all this stuff cut off wikileaks um i think that was in 2012 might have been 2000 was it 2011 man i can't remember now and uh, bitcoin saved wikileaks this is full circle um and coinbase has shut down wikileaks of course wikileaks has their own donate page so if you want to donate to wikileaks still you can go to wikileaks.org forward slash donate uh, unfortunately they do accept bcash but you can tell them on twitter to stop doing that <laughs> uh, don't forget about open dimes i'm going to give my uh, an open dime plug here um uh, I think it's opendime.com. You can go there. They are these little USB sticks where the private key is not known by the holder uh, until you break a certain thing, obvious thing, on the little USB stick itself. And um, then it will register as broken. So you can't, if you do load Bitcoin on there for trading or uh, selling, buying, you you know that the other party doesn't know the private key. And when they hand you that open dime, now that's your Bitcoin. Um, it is a hybrid between paper, cash, and actual Bitcoin. Uh, well, it is actual Bitcoin, but uh, it's physical Bitcoin, which is awesome. So I, I want to make sure people don't forget about that, especially in the, you know, with this local Bitcoins news out there and stuff like that. Um, open dime is years ahead. So that probably within the next year or two, Oh, this is, they're going to be in the discussion here because, um, they're a fantastic product that fills a niche that's needed with, for mass adoption to happen. So don't forget about open dime, go ahead and buy some support them. The more that are bought, the more they can invest in lowering the price, right? They are pretty expensive right now per, per stick. I'm not sure it was, I think it was like $15 per stick or maybe it was a little bit lower than that $12 per stick last time I checked um, but you buy them in little packs of three but as more people buy them as they get more and more successful then they can invest back into their process to, to bring the price down right and it would be pretty awesome if they could get the price of these things down below roughly five dollars because then they could become much more ubiquitous and I think it's a really good product so opendime.com they are not, I'm not affiliated with them. I'm not affiliated with anybody for this show. I have no advertisers. I rely on my patrons. Okay. I'm not a whale. I, I love my patrons. And if you guys want to support the show, I would appreciate you going to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. I just want to touch on the traditional markets here real fast. So, um, stocks are struggling. The, they, Looked like they were turning around off lows and now they had a bad day yesterday, uh, end of the week here yesterday. Um, and where are they going? I, who knows? They, they have the plunge protection team. They can print as much money as they want to buy these stocks up. The, the bond curve, the yield curve on the treasury bonds, that is the scary thing. And they just can't seem to prop that up right now. Uh, you know, what they would do is they would shove down the, the, the short end of the curve because they would buy a lot of two year treasuries or whatever. And, um, push down that end of the curve, but they can't, they just can't do that right now. It's, they're having a major difficulties. So, uh, if that goes bad, then the stock stocks are going to crash too. And who knows what the fallout from that is going to be. Um, there's also all those trade wars going on. I talked about that. Um, 
Some people are talking about Trump winning the trade wars. That's that can't happen. That can't happen. Nobody wins a trade war. The dollar is sticking around 89 to 90, um, but the future is very dim. <laughs> the future is very dim, and I, I would not be holding um, uh, most of my wealth in dollars. I'll tell you that much right now. Two days ago, we, we got news that the New York Attorney General, let me pull this up because I'm, I'm going to include this link in the show notes. The New York Attorney General, Eric Schneiderman, he sent out a letter requesting a bunch of fucking information from 13 different exchanges around the world. I mean, as if he rules the world, as if he has this great power uh, and people actually want to comply. Bitcoin is unique. People don't want to comply with you. <laughs> people, people don't think you're necessary, government. And so this, this attorney general... Is, was looking for information from these guys. And I don't know if he's going to get it. Kraken has already come out and said, thank God we left New York after the bit license because now we can not, not even acknowledge this letter. <laughs> I thought that was great. Great job, Kraken, on that. You know, Jesse Powell over there at Kraken. And um, hopefully other exchanges take that same tact because I know all the exchanges left New York except for like ItBit, I think, and maybe Coinbase and Gemini, the, the American ones. But I hope all the other exchanges say, screw you. I really do. So that was in the news. Link in description. Bcash had a pump. They're up to like $1,100 now or something. I am not worried about this in, in the least. It's ridiculous. Anybody who thinks Bcash has a, a chance at any sort of flippening or... or uh, uh, competing with Bitcoin is just a fool at this point. I am not concerned with this. It just is a better chance to short it. <laughs> the The hash rate had hit down to uh, 5% of Bitcoin's hash rate, which is extremely dangerous. And I tweeted about this at the time. You guys might have seen it. Um, that's extremely dangerous to have a 5% hash rate because that only is a 2.5% for a 51% attack. That's nothing. Um, Bitcoin is adding 10% hash rate right now. We're adding 10% like every two weeks. And it only takes 2.5% to 51% attack Bcash. That's very, very dangerous. Um, there is no security on Bcash. There is zero or just next to zero. And someone asked me what the opportunity cost would be or what the cost would be to do this attack. And I was like, well, the opportunity cost would probably be several Bitcoins. But you could make that back up if you shorted Bcash and then attacked it, right? So uh, the cost would be very minimal in here if you play with the markets. That's all for Bcash. Okay, here's another one that's hilarious. Is uh, The Bank of International Settlements had a tweet the other day. Uh, and I'm going to read this out to you. Is They said, this is from Augustin Karsten, Karstens. Technology cannot substitute for central banks when it comes to issuing currencies, given their history of building public trust. <laughs> it's just a parody, right? I said, they don't really believe this. They think we trust the cronies more than math. It's crazy. These people are, but at least they're starting to acknowledge that um, this is the technology is substituting them. You know, it's disrupting them, disintermediating the central banks. 
And um, that's a huge step. That's a really big step because it's showing that they're thinking about this, right? And I said last year, I think it was uh, during some of the Yellen press conferences from the Fed, she mentioned uh, algorithmic setting of the interest rates. And um, I think they were thinking about this back then, like, oh, my God, Bitcoin's monetary policy is automatic. That would make our jobs way easier. Um, maybe we should start talking about having automatic monetary policy that follows some sort of algorithm. And they, she kind of touched on that several times. Uh, you'd have to go back and listen to those shows, but um, like in the footnotes to some of her speeches. But um, yeah, this is showing that they, they think about this. Of course, they can't do that because, <laughs> because they couldn't fuck with the, the supply of money. They couldn't do what they do. They, their job relies on being able to tinker with this stuff, right? So they can't do that. Bitcoin can. It looks very promising to them, but they, they can't copy it. And now they're saying they don't want to because trust. The public trusts us so damn much, people. They, The central banks are like the pinnacle of trust in society. You know, uh, it's just crazy. What else do we have? Let's see if I can fit one or two more in here. Oh, this was a good one by Kevin Pham on Twitter. If you guys don't follow him, you should. He is prolific tweeter and all of his tweets are really good i mean they're thought out and uh i appreciate uh, all the all the work he does does for bitcoin there on twitter um he he mentioned ann rand right and that there she was a powerful female super super smart but she is not celebrated as a great female as a great female thinker and I remember my first initial thought to this was her characters in her book, right? And Dagny Taggart, female character in Atlas Shrugged. Man, Dagny Taggart was sexy. When I read that book, I was like, dang, dude, she's sexy. Just because she, that character is so damn strong and smart, right? And Anne Rand, she should be celebrated as a, as a great female thinker, but she's not because she's inconvenient to their political views. So that just goes to show how biased they are and how they're just a bunch of fucking liars. Okay, another one is Francis Coppola. She has been tweeting quite a bit about some wacky ideas about how Bitcoin's fiat. And I've heard this said in the past as well, that Bitcoin is fiat. Um, but it's not, right? Fiat is by decree. It is backed by guns. That is what fiat is. And to twist Bitcoin's 21 million coin limit into somehow being fiat is either ignorant or is a futile attempt to equate it with fiat currencies. The limit of Bitcoin is not arbitrary. Um, participation is voluntary and the limit can be changed. So that means it's not fiat. 21 million is not arbitrary because it is actually the amount of Satoshis um, is the limit of or very near the limit of a 64 bit floating integer so that is not arbitrary and then um the block time is not arbitrary and every four years is not arbitrary because it's a uh, uh, geometric decrease in in the issuance um and having happens every 210,000 blocks it simulates gold production and so, like, it, it, all in all, it's not arbitrary. Um, also, participation is 
voluntary. You, they can't say, <laughs> Satoshi didn't say you must use it for this or that. Uh, it's, it's totally voluntary. And again, the limit can be changed. You can have your own software on your own computer and you can change it to whatever you want and run whatever you want on your own, own software. If other people won't recognize it. That's part of the decentralized governance model here. But you can change it. And if you changed it and you got convinced other people to change it as well, even if it's a minority of people out there, you could run a fork of Bitcoin that has 41 million Bitcoins or 42 million Bitcoins, whatever, you know, like it can be changed. So it's it's not fiat in any way, shape or form. And don't let uh, Francis Coppola or any other of these no coiners tell you <laughs> that it is anyway. Okay. Uh, that's all I have for today, guys. Thank you for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. To support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. We have been releasing episodes on there. I have another couple episodes queued up, ready to release in the next couple days over there on Patreon. I have a new series that I'm doing with a friend. We're going to be calling it Bitcoin is Freedom. That's going to be a Patreon exclusive for a while at least. And uh, yeah, that's really fun to produce. So if you want to support the show, you can support the show for $5 a month and you get uh, extra podcasts. So that's pretty cool if you ask me. So go over to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin markets. Thank you to all my patrons that do support the show right now. You guys are great. See you next time. Peace. Thanks, folks.